This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Movement Mortgage. Movement provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Founded in 2008, amidst one of the biggest financial meltdowns in American history, Movement set forth on a mission to create a movement of change in their industry, in corporate cultures, and in communities. First, they pioneered a unique approach to home loans centered around helping home buyers quickly and easily. Then they created a model so that a portion of their profit creates a long-term positive impact in communities both close to home and around the globe through the Movement Foundation and Movement Schools. It all comes back to their mission to love and value people. Learn more at movement.com faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. By some estimates, the average household spends an astonishing 40% of its food budget eating out. That's a lot to digest. Hi, I'm Rob West. After housing and transportation, food is probably the next biggest item in the budget. It's also a place where you can easily make changes that will save you a lot of money. I'll talk about that today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, obviously I'm talking about cutting back on eating out and preparing more of your meals at home. I know that a lot of families have two working parents or maybe mom or dad's busy driving vans full of kids to soccer or baseball practice and that it's difficult to avoid the convenience of fast food. Uh, But there's always a cost for that convenience and not just with money. Fast food tends to pack on the pounds, and when you eat out, you have less control over nutrition. So those are all good reasons to eat in more often, and it starts with planning. In this case, menu planning. How many times have you looked at something in the cupboard and thought, why did I buy that? You can avoid that by planning out your meals for the week, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks before you go to the store. This also allows you to choose healthier options like fruits, vegetables, and nuts. When you're making up your menu plan, choose meals that you can make ahead of time over the weekend. It takes the guesswork out of what to eat during the week and all that last-minute scrambling. Once you have your menu plan, you can list all the items you need to make those meals. Then, take an inventory of your fridge and cupboards, crossing off stuff you already have. What's left is your shopping list, and when you go to the store, stick to your list, and you'll start saving money right away. That can be hard to do, especially if your stomach is grumbling from all that meal planning. So maybe have a snack or eat a meal before you head out to the grocery store. That's one way to prevent impulse buying. Here's another one. Try to avoid the middle sections of your grocery store. That's where they put things like cookies, candy, and chips. If you're shopping after work with a low energy level, it's hard to resist those things. But if you concentrate on the outer sections of the store, you'll be able to pick up up a lot of the items you need for your menu plan, things like meats, vegetables, fruits, and yogurt. Obviously, you'll have to duck into the middle for certain items, but do a quick surgical strike and get back to the 
safe outer zone. You'll also want to stock up on staples when you can get them at a good price. Cereals, rice, cornmeal, and oatmeal are often sold in bulk at bigger stores. You also want to choose lower price options for protein in your meal planning. Hamburger costs less than steak. Chicken costs less than hamburger. And working a meat-free dinner into your weekly menu plan will also save you some hard-earned money. And it almost goes without saying, making coffee at home and taking it to work is a lot cheaper than buying designer coffee. The same goes for water. Bring a bottle from home instead of buying it out. Another great idea is to take advantage of the free pickup option that many larger grocery chains offer now. There may be a minimum order required, but it's not difficult to meet. Just go to the store's website, sign up for curbside pickup, and check the items you need. That way, you're not tempted to buy unnecessary items while pushing a cart around the store. And you can keep a running total of what you're spending, making it easier to stay on budget. Curbside pickup is also a great option if you usually have little ones hanging on the cart yelling, buy me this. Here are some other ways you can avoid overspending on groceries. Be careful where you shop because prices vary. Generally, the bigger the store or chain, the lower the prices. The service may not be as great in warehouse stores, for example, but you can make up for that with savings. Of course, some of the big box grocery stores have membership fees, so that's an added cost. But if you shop there even once a month, it's probably worth it. One thing to consider, though, the packages at those stores tend to be gigantic. So make sure you can use up the item before the expiration date and that you have room in the fridge for that two-gallon jar of pickles. Now, there's one more way to save on your grocery shopping, and that's by not leaving home at all. You can buy a lot of household necessities online from sites like Amazon and other online merchants. So try to take advantage of offers for free shipping. So those are some things that can help you eat more of your meals at home, saving you a ton of your hard-earned money in the process. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. We'll be right back. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com. You'll find more powerful wisdom, podcasts, articles, videos, and more from partners like the National Christian Foundation, Sound Mind Investing, and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Connect with the community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards and check out all of the free biblical financial advice at faithfi.com. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the MoneyWise program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We've got some lines open today for your calls and questions on anything financial. We'll help you apply biblical wisdom 
to the decisions and choices you're making. 800-525-7000. You know, as I interact with callers every day on this program, literally thousands and thousands of them uh, every year, what I've experienced is that really the way to free yourself from the financial fear and guilt that so many people face is to answer two questions. The first is who owns it? That answer clearly is a resounding God owns it all. And then the second is how much is enough? What is enough? What is our financial finish line for lifestyle and accumulation so that we can give not only out of current income systematically, but also sacrificially and really define uh, really that enough point for us so we can continue to accelerate our giving because I really believe that's the good life. You know, most teaching on money, including Christian teaching, starts with this idea of providing for ourselves. The problem with that is, even though provision is biblical, it can result in an endless list of needs and wants that we never get beyond. And if giving is the good life, being invited into a grander, greater vision that we were created to live for something bigger than ourselves and that there's contentment and satisfaction and joy in giving that we won't find anywhere else, perhaps we're missing out by getting caught up in a consumptive lifestyle and getting caught in the comparison trap. Think about that today as you consider your finances and see what God might be leading you to do. We have a few lines open, 800-525-7000. Deborah, Cleveland. Thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I am nearing retirement, at least retirement from my primary job, transitioning to another one. I am a single mother with uh, two adult sons, and I have two life insurance policies specifically geared toward providing, I guess, what you would call an inheritance in the event of my death. And I'm wondering if it makes more sense for me to divert that money into something other than these uh, whole life policies that I have. Uh, I've calculated that I spend approximately $3,000 per year on these policies. And has that been increasing, Deborah? No, it's, um, it's, it's steady. It's the same. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, I mean, what is the cash value that's built up in there? Do you know? Um, I don't know. One I've had quite a while. The other one is more like six years. The other one, the first one is more like 10 years. Okay. It's Very not good. a lot of cash value. But- yes. Uh, it looks like we, we lost uh, Deborah there. Here's what I would say, Deborah. If your sons are grown and on their own and uh, you essentially don't need life insurance if nobody is depending upon you. And I think, you know, if you need this money for your own retirement, I think that's where it would go first. Beyond that, uh, you could have more control over this money by pulling it out, taking whatever cash value is there, and then taking that 3000 a year and just you know, consistently funding a separate investment account. That would be money that's accessible to you during your life if you need it, and then available there as an inheritance moving forward. I think that would be uh, my uh, preference. Uh, now, if it, obviously, there's a lot of details when it comes to these policies, so it's probably not a bad idea to visit with an advisor who can look at the actual policy you have and take this into account in your overall financial picture. And if you need a, a financial planner, some 
somebody who could do that just on a one-time basis, uh, you know, for an hourly charge, uh, you could visit um, uh, faithfi.com and click find a CKA. But just from a high level, Deborah, I like the idea of you redirecting this money because the life insurance is not necessary uh, to a savings account you'd have a little more control over. Thanks for your call today. Heading west to Spokane. Hey, Jenny, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hi, yes. I want to know what your thought is on investing gold, and specifically high-grade coins, gold coins. I'm retired. My husband's retired, and we have some extra cash, around 25000 that he wants to invest in it, and I'm wanting to know if that is a good investment or not. Yeah. Uh, Question, Jenny, what would this 25000 represent of your total investable assets? Oh, just a piece. We have 401s and stuff that we're not taking from, and um, yeah. we're basically living on our Social Security right now. Okay, very good. Back around. Well, I'm delighted to hear that you have the ability to do that. That's great. It means you're positioned really well. You know, typically we would say don't put more than 5% in precious metals, certainly not more than 10%. The reason is it just doesn't perform as well as a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio over the long haul. It tends to be more volatile. Uh, you know, you've got the, if you're taking physical possession of the gold, you've got this security and storage issue. You've got the premiums on the the buying and the selling. If you're using a dealer, uh, it doesn't generate any income, so it's not income producing. Um, but one of the more simple ways to take advantage of just uh, you know, having an allocation to gold in your overall uh, investment portfolio, just because it's an, an uncorrelated asset and can do well when the market's lagging, uh, would be to buy one of the tracking stocks that tracks the price of gold, and then you don't have to take physical possession. But if you wanted to, I think the key is just making sure you're not highly concentrated for the reasons that I mentioned, uh, just because, you know, the, over the long haul, the performance just isn't there um, compared to a, a stock and bond portfolio. But if it's a relatively small piece of your overall portfolio, there's nothing wrong with it. And I think for the reasons your husband wants it, it's probably a, you know, a good allocation for a small part of your overall investment mix. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So you're saying 5 to 10% of the por- portfolio. Total investable assets. Yes, ma'am. Oh, right. Right. Okay. And you said the ticket, the other paper one? I didn't Yeah. So like, clearly. for instance, uh, GLD would be one of the tracking ETFs that tracks the price of gold. So essentially, you would own that in your portfolio and it moves with the price of gold, but you don't actually have to take physical possession of the the precious metal. So now you're not buying it through a dealer and having to put it in a safe and you know all of that, but you still benefit from the rise of gold if the underlying precious metal increases in value. Oh, okay. All right. And okay. where would I buy something like that? Just through a broker? Any brokerage firm, yeah, Fidelity or Schwab, and there's plenty of them out there. That's just one of them, but you would be looking for an uh, an ETF, an exchange-traded fund that just tracks the price, in this case, of gold. There'd be another one for silver. They've got ETFs that track just about everything, so that would be one option. Now, your husband may see the value in having the actual precious metal in his physical possession, and that would certainly be one way to go. This would just be one alternative. Jenny, thank you for calling and for listening to the program today. God bless you. Uh, to Akron, Ohio. Hey, Liz, what can I do for you? 
Hi, um, thanks for taking my call. I have uh, I live on Social Security income. My husband died a year ago, so I'm a recent widow, and um, I, I sold some property earlier in the in uh, last year, um, and it was out of state. So it was in New York, and the lawyer who handled it paid New York state tax, and he said that there would be a voucher involved so that. When I paid Ohio state tax, it would unless Ohio was more, it should more than cover that. And then I yeah, was wondering how I go about this. handling that. Sure. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I, the clock got the best of me. Uh, generally, you pay capital gains in the state where the property was sold. Beyond that, I'd check with a tax preparer. Thanks for your call today. We're going to pause for a brief break, and then we'll be back on Faith and Finance. So don't go away. At Faith and Finance, we're on a mission to educate, equip, and connect you and many others with the powerful financial answers found in God's Word. We're working to meet people right where they are through national radio programs, our app, website, and other resources. If you've benefited from this program, would you consider becoming a monthly Faith and Finance patron? Check out all of the benefits of a Faith and Finance patron's membership at faithfi.com and click Give on the homepage. We are grateful for support from Praxis Mutual Funds. Praxis Mutual Funds has seven impact strategies that are designed to create positive real-world change. More information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses are contained in the prospectus and summary prospectus. This and other information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Foreside Fund Services, LLC. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Got one line open, 800-525-7000 to Grand Rapids. Hi, Mona. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Um, yes. I was calling because I um, have my mortgage loan, and I have took out in 2019 an equity line of credit to pay off okay. some credit cards. All right. And when I did do that, um, the bank was saying, Probably in a year or so, I can combine that equity loan with my mortgage because my um, mortgage appraises for almost double what I owe on it. And when I went to um, refinance it to try to combine it, the bank um, said I wasn't going to be able to do that. So because the job I'm at, I've been there 28 years, but they just don't pay a lot of money. So they said based on that income, and I do do Avon, another independent job, but they wouldn't count that. So I guess what I'm asking is I got some offers. Cause I've never been late on my payments. And I'm, I was at like 750, 760 for my credit score. Now it's like 720. So I got an offer where they're offering me a personal loan for like $25,000 that would be um, like 370 a month. And so my question was, I'm wondering about checking into that personal loan to possibly pay off the um, equity line because right now the interest rate it just went up the highest ever and it's 172. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking... Well, a couple of thoughts here, Mona. Let me ask uh, some questions first, though. Do you have credit card debt again or are you still out of credit card debt? Yeah. No, I have credit card 
I got it dead again. Okay. Yeah. And so this is the problem. So if you would have called me when you, before you did, took out the equity line of credit and said, Rob, I've got some credit card debt. I've got this opportunity to take out a low interest rate home equity line of credit. I would have said, Mona, don't touch that because number one, you're taking unsecured debt and you're securing it to your house. So now if you default on that payment, it's going to, they're going to take your home. Number two is a variable interest rate. And I would have said if rates were to rise in the next year, which obviously they have significantly, that's going to get more and more expensive all the time. But number three, and this is going to be the biggest reason that you're probably going to call me six months or a year from now and say, guess what, Rob, the credit card debt's back, except now I have the equity line of credit on top of it. And here's why. And I'm not picking on you, Mona. This, I mean, this happens so many times and, you know, we're all guilty of it. But unless we solve the underlying issue, uh, we're never going to make real changes because we're just treating the symptoms and so the real issue is spending beyond your means. So you've got to have a budget. We've got to be honest about what it's going to take to fund your lifestyle. And if you can't pay the bills, what are we going to have to cut back on so that we don't end up with more credit card debt? Because we've got to break the cycle once and for all. Um, are you able to cover all the minimum payments on the credit cards plus the two mortgages today and still have enough to pay your bills? Mm-hmm. making it i'd be short sometimes but yeah. the simple fact to me that i pay my tithes faithfully it usually works itself out that yeah. usually i have bigger avon sales because yeah. like i said they didn't count my avon because that's you know that's based on people ordering it so okay, that's yeah. up and down so but yeah. i've been an avon representative for 18 years so sure, sure. yeah so sometimes when i get kind of tight it, it makes up the difference i have bigger sales and then also I'm a yeah. traveling notary and just happen to be, I might have more notaries, sale, no, yeah. notaries. So yeah. that's how I've been kind of well, getting by. Here's the thing, you know, the reason they told you that they, you can combine that, I mean, anybody can combine loans as long as you can qualify. So what they were saying is, hey, take out this line of credit and down the road if you want to refinance, which means starting the whole process over, new closing costs, you know, uh, not to mention the underwriting where you've got to prove that you have the income. And all of that didn't materialize because, as you said, a lot of your income is through, you know, uh, self-employment type activities. And they're not going to count that because it's not W-2 income and maybe you don't have as enough of a history on that. Uh, I think even though I don't like the interest rate you're likely paying on that home equity line of credit, I'd stay put. Uh, I would get uh, connected with my friends at ChristianCreditCounselors.org to take care of this credit card debt. They'll get those interest rates reduced. They'll close the accounts, which I think is key. You've got to get to the place where you're breaking the cycle of using those credit cards to to fund your expenses. And we've got to build up an emergency fund of at least three months' expenses. It might take some time, but we've got to get there because that's the only way you're ever going to be able to break this cycle of getting to a place where the unexpected comes, and it always does, and now we're defaulting back to the credit card. So I'd put those credit cards in a credit counseling program. They are going to be closed, but the interest rates will come down. You'll have one fixed monthly payment to start making some progress. You know, I think the key for you moving forward is to just really right-size this budget, and that may mean making some hard decisions as to what you're going to cut out and cut back on. It may mean, you know, selling this home and downsizing. I mean, I think we've got to get 
serious about what it's going to take to right-size your spending plan to match the income that you have and not the income you're hoping for in the very best month, but really the realistic income that you can count on based on a conservative historical perspective. What have you actually made in additional income through Avon and other sources, you know, over the past 12 months averaged for uh, a single month? So I think that's the next step. I wouldn't go with that personal loan. Uh, if we can help further, though, along the way, give us a call back and we appreciate it. All the best to you, Mona. I know this isn't easy, but you can get there. Thanks for calling. Uh, quickly to Tampa, Florida. Kim, you'll be our final caller. Go ahead. Hi. I was telling, I have a uh a little over $100,000 in cash that I have. I have a $250,000 life insurance policy. I ha- I can put away $1,000 a month, $1,000 a week for maybe the next four years. I want to know what I can do with this money in order for it to give me a comfortable retirement. Yeah. Uh, are you uh, participating in a company-sponsored retirement plan at work? I'm self-employed. You're self-employed. That's my okay. biggest issue, yes. Yeah, and and are you building uh, an asset there? Is that business able to be sold when you retire? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the key for you is to try to get as much of this as in a tax deferred environment as you can. Uh, are you four years out from retirement? Is that what that four year number is, or is it? Yeah, I'm sixty one. Okay. All right. Yeah. So if you could put away, um, you know, fifty two thousand a year uh, you, that's another two hundred thousand you'd have to put away on top of the hundred thousand you have in cash um, and then if the business was worth let's say six hundred thousand I mean you'd, you'd have nine hundred thousand or more that you could use plus Social Security to fund your expenses I think the key is trying to get as much of that into a tax deferred vehicle as possible I'd look to open a SEP IRA and then invest that um, SEP IRA is, is what you want and then get the rest of it invested as well. I think you have enough that I'd connect with a certified kingdom advisor to do some planning for you, some retirement planning, but also uh, to help you uh, get it set up and manage that money as it's invested so you can focus on your business and have somebody else focus on managing the money. You'll find a CKA in your city by heading to our website. That's uh, faithfi.com. Just click find a CKA. Thanks for calling. Thank you to my team, Jim, Amy, Dan, and Charles. Thank you for being here as well. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.